All right, folks, my name is Steve Howard. And welcome to Coach Talk. We are joined today by Michael Madrid from Texas A&M Kingsville. This is Coach Talk. Let's get into it. So Coach Madrid, welcome. Thank you for joining us here on Coach Talk. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Stephen. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak and, and come here and visit with you. Uh, got to know you, obviously, when I was at El Paso and just uh, glad to sit here and visit with you. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Coach. So the premise behind what we do here at Coach Talk is to empower the student athlete and the parent by bringing them information directly from the college coaches, letting them hit it from the foxhole, from the trenches on recruiting things to help these student athletes in the recruiting process so that they could be more successful, more educated, and provide a better product when they present it to you guys as coaches. And so having you all coming on here has been a big plus for us in doing that. And so I, I thank you. And um, let's empower some parents and players. Absolutely. Thank you. So, Coach, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, about your program there, and what you guys got going on there in Kingsville. Well, just a little bit about myself. Uh, you know, I'm originally from Portales, New Mexico, and coached high school boys for 10 years. Was fortunate enough to get into the women's college basketball. I was at Lubbock Christian for five years as an assistant and then moved on to Texas Women's University for three years as an assistant. Got my big break at Parrish Junior College as a head coach, was there for two seasons, and then moved on to San Jacinto College, which is in the Houston area. I was there for two seasons, and uh, you know, I tell people this all the time. I probably would still be at San Jack right now. Uh, the, the administration made the decision to uh, shut the program down, so I left there, went to UTEP. I actually was in El Paso for two years at UTEP as an assistant, and then this opportunity opened up here at Texas A&M Kingsville. And, you know, we jumped on it as soon as we could. Some of the things that really intrigued me about Texas A&M Kingsville is, number one, it's a Division II school. And, yeah. you know, the mantra behind Division II is life in the balance. You know, you want your student athletes to be a student athlete, number one. You want them to value academics. You want them to kind of have a social life. And so uh, it's not necessarily as stringent or time consuming, I guess, as you would say, as a Division I program. But there's still a lot that goes on at the Division II level. Um, you know, I went to Eastern New Mexico University. I was not a student athlete, but it's a Lone Star Conference school. So growing up my entire life, I knew how competitive the Lone Star Conference was. And I have always known of Texas A&M Kingsville. Back then I knew of them as a powerhouse football program. Um, but, uh, you know, the opportunity to uh, accept this job was big for me. My wife is from South Texas. She grew up about an hour and a half from here. She actually nice. went to Corpus Christi A&M. So coming here was moving closer to family for her, uh, which was a, a plus. And, you know, the, the program here hadn't had a lot of success in the last 10 to 15, almost 20 years. Back in 2000, 2001, they actually went to the Elite Eight. So there's been some success here. And for whatever reason, since then, it hasn't been as successful. And so just the challenge, the challenge to come here and, and help build a program and help empower young women and, and provide them a, a, an avenue to get their education and also play basketball was huge to me and, uh, you know, just challenge myself. And so when I got the call and was offered the job, we jumped on it as soon as possible. I was probably out of El Paso within the next two or three days and, and yes, you were. living in a dorm room, <laughs> yes, yes, living you were. in a dorm room, 
and uh, you know, just just got the ball rolling as fast as we could. But we're excited about this program. Uh, you know, I got hired really, really late last year at the end of May, and you know, as college coaches will know, uh, at the end of May when you get hired, you know, recruiting's tough, and so we tried to piece together the best team we could last season to compete, uh, knowing that we probably would take some shots a little bit. Uh, but we've been able to assign some really, really good players this year. We're building this thing from the ground up. We actually have nine freshmen on our team this year, which most four-year schools would probably think that's nuts. But, you know, I'm a former JUCO coach. We've had it at the junior college. Sometimes you sign up to 10 players in one season. So we're excited about our growth. We're excited about our program. And we're just excited about moving forward and continuing to add to our family down here. Nice, nice. And and you said something there that – um really stuck out. So you've coached at really every level imaginable there is in college. And so you uh, every level three. Yeah. And so that gives you that's one of the things that we really look for when we bring on guests is having someone that has walked that walk at different levels. And so when they're giving information, even they may be talking about a level that they're not coaching at now. It's coming from experience. And so that's going to be huge as we, as we go through this conversation on the differences between Division One and Division Two. You and I both know it's, it's a huge difference in that the time commitment piece of it. Um, those Division One athletes, they, they're going to school to play a sport. Let's just be real. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it, it's basically time job yep and i don't think a lot of times the student athletes understand the commitment that's required to be a division one athlete um not getting holidays maybe only being home two weeks out of a year summer school like you eat sleep drink basketball or football whatever sport it is that you're playing and that's a huge commitment for especially for today's youth let's be real about it um a lot of them like to have social lives and the sacrifices that come along with being a division one even a division two athlete are 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 big steps that i don't think a lot of student athletes understand that dynamic when they're looking at what school do i want to play at what level do i want to play at and how i want my college experience to be and so those are like some of the things we try to hit on when we go through these talks with coaches is trying to highlight those differences so that a parent, a student athlete can make a very educated decision on where they want to go to school at. Um, so you brought in nine freshmen. That, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited really about it. Team. We are, you know, and it's interesting, you know, a lot of coaches use the word young. Um, I think we're just inexperienced. You know, we have all nine players are really good players. They come from really good programs and we just don't have the same type of experience that a senior may have or have been in in-game in moments. But yeah. as far as just players, I mean, they can shoot it. They, they have high IQs. And so I think sometimes coaches use the word young as an excuse. Uh, that's one thing that I'm going to try not to do is, is say we're young, um, you know, because we have really good, talented players. And, and 
I've, I've coached on the women's side long enough to know that sometimes freshmen, they don't really understand the big moments. They just, yeah. they're just excited to be on the floor playing. And so that's something that we're not going to hang our hat on is saying we're young. Um, I think we're a little inexperienced, but you know, we'll get there and we're excited about them. And, and the fact that they can all shoot it, I think always gives you a chance every single night. Definitely. You can put points on the board and defend. You give yourself a chance for sure. To be a great athlete, it takes great skill, but that's not the only thing it takes. There's extra pressure being a college athlete just because you're also reminded, hey, you're worth this much money. Like we invested this much money in you. You need to perform and do everything right because you also make our income and stuff like that. Like we make our livelihood off of you. We started doing field laps and then I got pushed and tripped on one field lap and we're pretty sure I hit my head. I started having seizures and then they called 911 and it took about 15 minutes for them to get there. So in the span of when I first dropped to when they showed up, I had a total of about like 10 seizures. I had a diagnosis or anything. It was just, we're gonna run a bunch of tests and see what happens. So yes, sir. of nine freshmen, what was, the process, I guess, that you guys took in saying, okay, these are the nine freshmen that we want to bring in. Was it need over talent, talent over need, or a combination of both? You know, we, we actually tried to look at a combination of both, uh, to be completely honest with you. You know, that, that's one of the things I think that recruits, um, don't really understand is you know and i'll give you just our perspective of course every program's different every coaching staff's different but i I will waver a little bit on a talent level if i know that we're bringing in a really good quality character young lady um you know we, we do our homework as far as recruiting once we once we pinpoint a player that we want to recruit and and we want to build a relationship with you know, one of the first things we do is we go look at social media. We we yeah. go look at, you know, is there a Facebook account? Is there a Twitter account? Is there a Instagram account? And and that's not necessarily to be nosy. That's to know who that individual really is, because we live in a society now where people just feel like they can put everything they want out there on social media and there are no repercussions. And, yeah. you know, they're there have been multiple recruits that we have, you know, looked up and I'll call my assistant or she'll call me and say, I don't know if this is somebody we want in our program based on what they're liking, based on what they're retweeting, based on what they're posting. And so, you know, as we went through this process, number one, we wanted to find, you know, high character young women, young women that that come from winning programs that that are selfless, that are not really looking out for themselves and are more team oriented, um, you know, then we wanted to find, you know, young women that were interested in helping us build a program because you got to understand we, when we called these players, one of the first things I told them from a transparency standpoint was this program has not been very good. So it's not like you're getting a phone call from a coaching staff that has won multiple conference championships here. So we tried to paint a picture to these players of this is a blank canvas this is our vision. This is where we see you fitting into our vision. Um, and then, you know, we start looking at, okay, 
what position does she play? How can she help us? What can we do with her within the program? And we got really lucky early on in, in November. We were able to sign a 6'2 player that had some Division One offers. Uh, we were able to sign uh, a young lady from uh, El Paso, Annalise Dominguez, that actually had some Division One interest and had other Division Two interests. And she came out here, actually committed to us without visiting, simply because we had built a solid relationship with her and her family, especially when I was out in El Paso. Um, signed a, another player out of the Fort Worth area that I think was under-recruited because she didn't pass the uh, the eye test. You know, she wasn't the most athletic player on the floor, but she could really, really shoot it. Her basketball IQ is through the ceiling, and I really feel as though a lot of schools didn't recruit her because when they sat down and watched her, she didn't pass the eye test, but she's going to be a really good player for us in our conference, and I expect her to be at the top of our school leaderboard in, in three-point makes percentage when her career is over. And so as that process went on, we were able to sign four early in the recruiting process. And then obviously coronavirus hit, which changed a lot as far as recruiting, not being able to have visits and things like that. And we just hit home Zoom meetings and phone calls and just continue to build relationships and build relationships. And, you know, we got five commitments in the spring from players that never visited our campus. They they committed to us based on the relationship that we had built with them via Zoom meetings and things like that. And then, uh, believe it or not, after they signed with us and the coronavirus sort of died down a little bit and they started allowing visits, they came on campus and visited us. Nice. And so, you bring up coronavirus and how it's changing the way you had to recruit these young ladies. For you and your staff, have you had to rely a lot more on social media as far as getting highlight videos or looks at student athletes? Or is it still the same at the end of the day? Send me a video, let me watch a full game to make my final determination. And you're just using the social media piece to say, okay, there is some talent there. Let me look further. You know, it's, it's actually a combination of both. Um, you know, re recruiting, again, is always about who you know in terms of relationships. So if you have a, a high school coach that you trust, if you have an, an AAU coach that you trust uh, that will give you good information on a player, then obviously that's huge. But, yes, definitely relying on highlight films, on, uh, you know, social media you know sometimes you'll be scrolling social media and somebody will post a, a a video of a player and you click on it out of curiosity and you start thinking wow she's she's not bad uh and then it's just a matter of again doing some homework calling high school coaches calling aau coaches uh i even sometimes go as far as calling opposing coaches at the high school level who have coached against this young lady and have built scouting reports against her and just sort of ask them, you know, some questions, you know, what were some things that, that stood out to you as far as what makes her a good player, things like that. And so yeah. it's challenged us in that we weren't able to get out as much this summer and watch players, which is tough because, you know, your eyes are always a better judge when you're there physically than when you can watch on film. But we've kind of used a combination of both, honestly, highlight films, talking to coaches, uh, things like that. Okay, and so for a new player, let's say it's a player you've never seen play before, never had inter interaction with before, 
how does a player that you don't know about introduce themselves to you the best way? You know, I've always enjoyed when players send an email and number one, they introduce themselves. But I think sometimes what players think is they need to give you as much information as they possibly can at the first go round. And, you know, sometimes you get these emails that are huge, long written emails. And, you know, it's kind of like you want something that catches your eye. You know, so if a player were to send a, a, a highlight film, in my personal opinion, something that's two to three minutes long, that's just really quick, that shows, you know, a variety of things that the player can do, whether it's passing, whether it's defending, whether it's rebounding, shooting, things like that. Uh, I think that's huge. And then maybe just kind of a, a quick introduction of who they are and, and then just some contact information. I think for me personally, and again, I can't speak for other coaching staffs, but for me personally, that hits home harder than getting, hey, coach, here's a game film of mine. Because, you know, a lot of college coaches don't necessarily have time to sit and watch a full high school game film. No, you know, Especially not for a kid the, I've never, never been recruiting. Correct. And so, you know, for me, it's let me see something that, that jumps out at me quick, that draws my interest, and then I can reach out and then say, hey, I really enjoyed that highlight film you sent me. Would you happen to have other game film I can watch? Because at that point, then I feel you have the coaching staff hooked a little bit that they're genuinely interested in you. lot of players and parents are afraid to talk to coaches like right. they, they it's like it's almost they see you as superhuman in a way instead of they get up every morning like i do put their pants on one leg at a time um and they're people they want to be talked to and be respected and, and be social with it but a, a lot of times i think um Parents and players get caught up in the whole coaching mystique and they're afraid to, they don't realize that I can pick a phone up and call or email and introduce myself to these coaches instead of trying to reach them on Twitter because that's like a shot in the dark in my opinion because I may or may not have the time to look at it but for email, you'll go back and look at that. But um, 
I always get asked that question, what's the best approach to introduce a player to, to a coaching staff? And I always tell them it's pick up the phone or send an email. I would agree with that. I, I would absolutely agree with that. And, you know, because here's the thing. Most coaches, they love to talk about their program. So you, yeah. you pick up the phone and you call and introduce yourself. They, they want to talk about their program. They want to sell their program. And so I, I think where some uh, potential recruits get hurt in the process of sending videos is they send a one-dimensional video. And what I mean by that is they don't send um, pieces of what all they can do. I, I've seen multiple videos where a player is just shooting threes the entire time. And it's, you know four minutes of catch and shoot, catch and shoot, catch and shoot. And when the highlight video is over, the first thing I think to myself is, well, can she dribble? Can she come off a ball screen? Can she put it on the floor and shoot a mid-range jump shot? Can she, you know, get to the rim? And so I think sometimes they kind of pigeon them whole, pigeonhole themselves into just showing that they can only shoot the ball. So I, I think the more variety you can show in, in different type of plays, I think that helps tremendously. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's the other thing that we try to relay to student athletes is that if you want to get recruited as a wing, then show these colleges that you can play the wing position. You want to get recruited as a point guard, right. show that you can show that you can play point guard. That's more than just shooting. That's defending, that's passing, that's all aspects of the game. And I think a lot of times that these kids think that if I can show I can score, then they'll recruit me. But the reality Absolutely. is you can find somebody to score in every city in America. But you can't find somebody that can stop them in every city in America. And well, I think and, that and it's lost you know, on kids. I think you're right. You know, and, and one, the other thing I would I would tell potential recruits is the more versatile you are the more recruitable you are and you know we look for players that are versatile in terms of you know sometimes players will say well or i'll call a player and say well you know what what is your strength what position do you play well i'm a shooting guard and initially i start thinking okay so can you dribble can you pass or do you just stand and shoot you know we want a guard that can do a all of it. That's what we're looking for. We want to recruit guards that can handle the ball, that can come off ball screens, that can knock down threes. We want to recruit inside players that can step out and shoot the three, that can post up, that can play high-low. Because as we tell our players in their development and within our program, the more versatile you are, the more dangerous you are, the better we are. But if all you can do is stand and shoot it, then you're limited, you know, how much you can actually help our team. And I think that as you see in the program more position in the pro game more positionless basketball that's trickling down to college and it's tripling down to high school to where you've got to be able to play and guard almost every position on the floor to be valuable to a team today otherwise you're just Absolutely. cutting yourself short Absolutely. You know, and, and uh, you know, through scattering reports, uh, you know, different things like that, you can kind of pinpoint the toughest players to guard in a scattering report are players that can score in a variety of ways. 
the easiest players to guard in scatter report are players that can only do one thing. And so that, it, through our player development, that's what we work on. And, and through recruiting, that's what we work on as well. And so I would encourage any high school player that's trying to get recruited to, you know, be multifaceted, be able to score in a variety of ways. It'll help you get recruited. So now we got to talking about offense. Offense. <laughs> That's like the the that's like the one thing that everybody's like tangible. But when you're recruiting, do you put more weight on? And I know it comes down to need too. But do you put more weight on a kid who can score in a variety of ways, or a kid who that can guard multiple positions? You know, I think that's a. That to me comes down to what is your need for that particular year? Because um, for us this year, and I'll just tell you, this is our thought process going into it. We needed players that could score going into this season when we went out and recruited. So number one, we want to recruit players that could shoot the ball. And uh, when I, when I say that, what I'm saying is every player that's on the floor for us in a game, I want them to be able to step out and shoot it because you have to guard them. And it also obviously creates space for an inside player. Um, you know, moving forward, as we start going through our recruiting process and we have those type of players, if there's a young lady that is just, you know, like a, let's just say a Dennis Rodman-ish type player that can go get some rebounds and can defend and maybe doesn't really have a lot of scoring ability, but we don't have that type of player on our team, I would have no problem recruiting that type of player. Um, but I'm a, I'm a firm believer that you can always teach anybody to play defense. Uh, you can teach anybody to get in a stance and, and, you know, be on the midline and help and recover and, and rotate and do all those things. But it's a lot more difficult to get a, a, a freshman in college and start teaching them how to shoot and score. So I, I think if we had to, we would lean more on players that can probably score in a variety of ways. And then through the process of four years, teach them to become better defenders. Yeah, because at the end of the day, I've always said defense comes down to effort. Effort sure. and heart. And so either you're going to commit to play defense or you're not. You're either going to put the effort in or you're not. Um, and so I always wonder what the thought process is on the recruiting side as you go through that of, and you have these two players there, one's an offensive player, one's more of a defensive player. What do you give the weight at when you're looking at those two players and measuring them side by side? Yeah, I, I think most most coaches would probably lean towards the player that, that scores. You know, it, it goes back to like, uh, you know, you look at your trainers and you look at your basketball camps. When you go to a basketball camp in the summer, you don't ever really have a defensive station. I don't think, you know, it's more of a, a ball handling station. When you go to your trainers, uh, when these players go to trainers, they don't do a, a defensive breakdown. You know, that's more of, of maybe their high school level or, or whatever it may be. And so I, I definitely think coaches would say they're going to lean more towards a, a more offensive minded player because you can always teach them how to play defense when they get to your program. Yeah. Unless you're Kyrie Irving. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> James Harden, you just, you just score a lot. You don't have to play defense. <laughs> James Harden is like, if I can outscore you, it's a wash. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, 
So I guess what is from from your standpoint, from your standpoint, as you're talking to recruits, what type of things do you feel that they should be asking you on a program level and from a coaching level to help them make a decision on whether or not to choose Kingsville as an option for them? I think some of the some of the most basic questions I think that any recruit should ask any coaching staff is, you know, where do you see me fitting into your program? Uh, I think that's huge. And and I tell our recruits all the time, do your homework, do your homework, look at the roster, look at what position the coaching staff is recruiting you. And I think that's a question you need to ask. Where do you see me playing within your program? Am I going to be, you know, playing the one? Am I playing the two and the three? Am I playing a stretch four? Um, and then along with that, you need to find out where do you see me fitting into that? And then look at their roster and see, okay, if they're recruiting me at the point guard spot and they have three report point guards returning, that probably means I'm not going to play very much, but that's not always a bad thing either. Um, I think sometimes recruits want instant success. They expect because I played a lot in high school, I should get there as a freshman. And if I'm not playing, then I need to transfer somewhere else. And sometimes it takes you a year to, to kind of figure it out and gain some experience. Sometimes it takes a year and a half and then come year three and four, you're ready to go. Um, you know, I think you, I think they need to ask questions about the team. You know, what's the team dynamics? What's the team culture? I think that is huge in in recruiting is get you know when a player signs they want to join a well-established family i guess so to speak or or a culture where there's complete buy-in from everybody within the program and so those are questions as a recruit that i think need to be asked is you know tell me a little about the team you know what are what are the dynamics behind the team you know where are they from things like that um you know asking one question I always get asked is, well, how long are you going to be there? You know, I think that's a question. To ask. You know, what, what is your plan? Uh, how long do you plan to be there? Um, you know, of course, academics is huge. You want to make sure that you're asking the coaching staff about your program and your major. Uh, but again, with that, I tell our recruits all the time, make sure you do your homework. Look us up on the Internet. Research us. Make sure we have what you want to study. Um, you know, ask a little bit about the conference, how competitive is the conference, um, those type of things. And so I think there's basic questions like that. But, you know, I think the most important thing that recruits don't do is I don't know how much research they do on their own and how much they just really rely on what coaching staffs are, are telling them. Um, not to say that coaching staffs aren't giving them the truth, just that I think it's important for players to do some research on their own in terms of the academic piece, the athletic piece, uh, the community piece, the conference piece. Um, cause I think that can help them in their process when they start making a decision, but more than anything else for me, the relationship part is, is the biggest thing. I think you need to develop a strong, solid relationship with the coaching staff. And once you make your visits, hopefully you can befriend some of the players and start building a strong relationship with them as well. I think that helps players with the recruiting process as well. Definitely. And you said something there, relationship, building that relationship. I always tell parents and student athletes, 90% of recruiting 
is the relationship that's being built. And that goes whether it's talking on the phone, emails, interaction, but also the relationship that the coach has with the parents and the player. Because at the end of the day, and I'm sure you're just like every other coach that I've dealt with, is that you look at this team as an extension of your family. And as such, you want to protect your family. And so you're not going to bring craziness around your family. And so understanding as a parent that if I come off as crazy, and there's different levels of crazy, but if I come off as crazy to this coach, then I'm likely to blow my, my student athlete's opportunity of getting recruited here. And so understanding that as a parent and realizing that, yes, mom, yes, dad, you are a part of the recruiting process, but I'm recruiting your son or daughter. And at some point, I'm expecting them to come in here and be an adult, and they've got to live with this decision for the next four years. So can we let them make some of this decision because as a coach, I want a student athlete that's going to come in here that can think for themselves and is not dependent on making every decision with the input from their parents. And because there's decisions going to be going to have to be made that the parent can't make for them. And agreed that that overbearing parent can turn off coaches real quick i guess is the bottom line to what i'm saying and and that does happen uh, that happens i think it happens i don't know that how how often it happens but it does happen um you know we we've had instances where we've tried to build relationships with with um a student athlete and a a parent has gotten on the phone or, or taken over the phone and we no longer are talking to the the player now you know, I'll give you an example of kind of how we handle it and, and, and what we do through our recruiting process. And again, that's not how every school does it. Everybody's different. But, you know, number one, we build a relationship with the student athlete. And then I always tell them, send me your parents' phone numbers because I want to call and introduce myself to your parents um, so that, number one, they know who I am. They know that I'm recruiting you. And I give them an opportunity to ask me any questions at that point in time. And so, you know, I'll call the parent, introduce myself, uh, talk a little bit about our program, and then I'll pretty much turn it over to them and, and just say, do you have any questions for me at this time? And if some of them do, some of them don't, but if they don't, or even if they do, I, I tell them, like, this is my cell number. If at any point in time you have any questions, feel free to call me or text me. Um, I'll answer any questions you have. And, you know, more times than not for us, I don't really get a lot of parents calling and texting me, asking me a lot of questions. Um, but I can see where that does happen at times. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a first time parent. We've got a little girl that turns four this month. She's going on 36 four going on 36. Um, but I can definitely understand the protectiveness behind having a child and, you know, entrusting them with somebody else. And so I would hope that parents, understand and realize that, you know, coaches are in it for the right reason. 
They're here to protect your child, your daughter, your son. Um, and we're just trying to build a relationship with them because as you just said, Stephen, at the end of the day, that son or daughter is going to be on our campus. They're going to be an adult and they're going to have to make some tough decisions in regard to you know, their program and, and, and their teammates and their parents aren't necessarily going to be there to hold their hands. And so I think while it's tough for parents, it's definitely necessary to allow their child to go through this process and, and grow. But, you know, for the child to also know, you can always lean on your parent and ask them for advice and say, hey, this is what, you know, Coach Madrid was talking to me about last night. What do you think about this? And for parents to then give their piece of advice, but then allow the student athlete to have that conversation with the parent. And and one thing that I think disappoints coaches quite often is it doesn't matter if a player is going to turn us down or any coaching staff down. I, I think the coaches want to hear from the student athlete. And a lot of times the parents are the ones who call and say, uh, or sometimes parents are the ones who call and say, hey, you know, I appreciate you recruiting my daughter, but uh, she's going to go to another university. And I respect that and I understand that, but I would love for the student athlete to learn to have that type of tough conversation because as they get older, they're going to have to have those type of tough conversations, whether they're in the workplace or whether they're in a relationship or whatever it may be. And so this is definitely a process that I would, you know, if my daughter is fortunate enough to do go through anything like this, I would definitely love for her to go through this process on her own in a sense where she's having to ask some tough questions, but no, she can lean on us if she has any questions. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and I think that's the, 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 the tight rope walk that parents have to go through is, is that you've got a one, you want to let the student athlete go through the process, make the decision, but two, you're trying to protect them. And so that's the, 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 the walk that they have to make and take. I guess my, my, my rub comes and my rub came when I coached was when I got that from someone that wasn't the parent. I'll put it that way. Someone that wasn't the parent. Like someone who, in my opinion, shouldn't have been in interjecting themselves into the recruiting process for that student athlete. I'm a fan, but I bring to the table, well, a little bit of physical therapy, but I'm concerned about society and sports, racism in sports. Hey, look, I served in the military, 20 plus years in the United States Army, retired officer, three combat tours to Iraq. Now this is when he was in his raw, raw state. I mean, meat eating, raw, rare, eating, flesh, all kind of this carnivorous, this mean and scary guy. And, uh, we wanted to just share with y'all, maybe even crow a little bit on where our Lakers are right now. We're with the Dodgers and the Braves and Dodgers getting the brakes beat off of them. And win games, don't turn the ball over. And that's their bugaboo is turning the ball over and giving up too many points on defense. The defense hasn't shown up yet for 2020. So as, as you're recruiting a student athlete, do you like to get information from, and I, I think I already know the answer to this, but do you like to get information from both 
their club coach and their high school coach, or do you weigh one's input over the other? I actually like to get both. You know, oftentimes nowadays, our first initial contact is through the AAU coach simply because we've identified a young lady at our, an event uh, or something along those lines. And so we'll call the we'll call the young lady first. I always like to try to call the AAU coach out of respect to introduce myself just to let them know we're, we're recruiting this young lady. Um, but I, I'm a former high school coach. And again, this is 100% my opinion. I feel as though high school coaches now are kind of eliminated from the recruiting process in a sense. And I, I, I give them the respect they deserve. And my thought process behind this is the high school coach sees this young lady every day. They see them Monday through Friday. They see them in practice. They probably have a better understanding of this young lady than maybe an AAU coach does just simply because they're around them every single day from the time they were a freshman until now that they're a junior or even a senior. And so I like to communicate with them as well, keep them in the loop. And if we've offered, I'll, I'll let them know we've offered. Um, and honestly, that just goes back to my roots of being a high school coach and wanting to know if someone's recruiting one of my student athletes. Um, so I would hope that players are informing their high school coach of what's going on as well. Um, but I don't know that that's often the case. I can tell you that is not. And it's a shame because a lot of times they're sitting there and they have this high school coach that has taken the journey that they're trying to go on right now. And they're not leveraging every resource around them as they're making this decision on the next four to five years of their life that really and truly are going to be probably the most pivotal four and five years of their life as they transition from this younger, this, this parent oriented and reliant individual to a young adult. Um, I always tell student athletes, you know, yeah, you got friends in high school, but the friends you make in college are going to be your friends for life. Very so true. Absolutely. Understand, Same talk we have. Yeah, and understanding that and um, understanding how important those four to five years are going to be in making you as a person goes a long way in the process. Um, so I got one last question here, Coach, and, and, and um, we can kind of wrap this up. So you said something there that I've gotten asked a lot of questions about, and that's what is the role of high school sports in a recruiting, in a recruiting process for a student athlete? A lot, of, a lot of parents feel that college coaches aren't watching high school games anymore. What's your take on that? I, I think that I think, high, I think college coaches try to watch as many high school games as they possibly can. Um, you know, it, it, it's difficult, especially if you're at the D1 level, uh, yeah. to get all across the country and watch a high school game on a Tuesday night and watch a high school game on a Friday night and fly back and forth and then have your own practices. You know, I, I will say that it, it's difficult uh, to get out and watch high school games and be there often. If you can get to one game, you're probably in pretty good shape. If you can get to two or three, then you've done a really good job. And that high school player is really, really important to that staff. Um, 
But the fact that, you know, college coaches can go to these summer events or these exposure events and watch a player play, you know, 10 times in three days, uh, you kind of get more bang for your buck, I guess, if you will, when you go do that. Um, But it's always interesting, too, because what I see a lot, and I think a lot of other college coaches would agree with this, is sometimes you see a different player playing on an AAU team and then they play different on their high school team. Um, and so some of that may be because of the talent they're surrounded around. Maybe their AAU team is a little more talented than their high school team. So when they're playing in the AAU circuit, they can see more of what that player is able to do because they're surrounded by better players. Um, but, you know, it, it is tough. It's tough to get out to high school games. And we try as often as we can. I know other college coaches try as often as they can. but when you can go sit in a gym for three days in a weekend and watch multiple games of a player and other teams, I think most college coaches would lean to that direction. Now, that's not to say that high school isn't important. It is. You know, we want to get out and watch practices. We want to get out and watch high school games. We want to get out and develop relationships. But it's just much easier to go to these exposure events than it is to go watch multiple high school games. Yeah, and with the the advent of kind of what we're doing now, live streaming, um, you can actually, I'm sure it's probably helped recruiting budgets in a positive direction by not having to go to so many places because you can sit back and watch it from your couch if you want. Um, But with COVID-19 and a a lot of, schools being able, especially here in Texas, um, allowing fans into the stands. And so almost everyone is streaming out their high school games. It should make it a little bit easier if they have this high school season to be able to watch some more high school games and to be able to use those games in the recruiting process, especially being that the summer was basically shot for a lot of these student athletes. And we didn't really touch on this, and I don't really want to open Pandora's box, but 2021, that's a rough year to be graduating high school and want to play college athletics. It is. It is. And, you know, they're, they're in a tough spot right now. And, you know, you and I talked about this on the phone, the fact that the NCAA and the NJCA, the junior college level, is is giving this year back to all the players. Really puts this senior class in a bind. And so, um, I think, and I know I told you this. I think a lot of high school seniors, if they want to play in certain areas, I think some are going to have to walk on for one year um, because there's not going to be as much scholarship money uh, this season simply because everybody's getting their year back. Yeah. And- and I think there's going to be a lot of kids who may have played at a higher level that some of these Division threes and NAIAs are going to be able to bring the talent level in um, that normally wouldn't have been there in a recruiting year. Or, and you just said, it, I mean, even at the JUCO level, I mean, that option may get, hit very hard as well and so i think a lot of these student athletes are going to have to be realistic in 
I always say this, the coaches really and truly dictate what level you can play at. Like, it doesn't matter what your trainer tells you, what your high school coach tells you, what your parents tell you, what the fans tell you on far as what level you should be playing at. If you're not getting recruited there, you're not at that level. And so I think being realistic in that process, as well as understanding the times that we have going on now, you're going to see a lot of kids here that's going to get in a panic and they're going to start <laughs> taking some of these Division three offers very seriously, some of these NAI offers very seriously, and some of these Division one level talent players are going to start really taking some of these Division two offers very seriously. Seriously. And so... I agree. I, and I, I've I've had this conversation a couple of times with different people. I think this is going to affect recruiting for the next five years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the backlash is going to impact recruiting for the, it's going to impact kids that are in the eighth grade right now. They're going to still feel ramifications from what happened this year. And, it's it's a it's almost it's almost as if as a coaching staff you got to say I'm writing a year off I'm not taking any 2021s in order to balance this out or you play the shell game and it's it's I definitely do not admire the position that you guys are in right now as far as recruiting and trying to to determine what route you want to go with that because it definitely has ramifications. Yeah, you know, every, every obviously every school's in a different situation as far as what they're going to do with players returning and, and getting their year back. And we only have one senior, so we were anticipating a lot of our players coming back next year regardless, mm-hmm. and, and now we get to return our one senior. So the team we have this year essentially will be the exact same team we have next year, which a lot of other schools will be like that. But, you know, coaches are going to have to make decisions on, do you want a senior to return or do you want to to sign that fresh, that incoming freshman? Um, And then seniors have to make decisions as well. You know, sometimes, especially on the women's side, sometimes they don't want to play five years. They want to play four years and and be done with their career and move on with their life, grad school or, or whatever it may be. Now, on the guy's side, that's a whole different deal because you can be 30 years old and still think you're going to the league and trying to find another year of eligibility somewhere. So the guy's side is the one that's going to be super interesting to watch. Yeah, that's what I I was just about to say that. Like, I think on the women's side, they're more realistic in that they can understand, they understand that I did this for a reason, a purpose. And basketball was a vehicle in helping me get to that purpose. On the men's side, they still have aspirations of playing in the NBA, overseas, being a pro athlete, and they will chase that dream until the very end and then chase it some more. Whereas on the women's side, they will walk away. They'll say, okay, I'm done, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to live my life now. And so I, I think you're right in that 
the impact may not be as bad on the women's side, but on the men's side, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be interesting to watch it unfold. Yes, it will be. Well, Coach, I've had you on here for like 45 minutes. So we're going to wrap this up. Anything in closing remarks you want to make to the parents out there about your program or anything? You know, the one thing I would tell parents just in the recruiting process, and, and this isn't even just our program, is, you know, look at all avenues. And I think you hit on this earlier as far as knowing what level you can play at. You know, junior college level is extremely competitive. There are a lot of Division One caliber players that play at the division at, at junior college level. So don't don't look down at that. You know, we're, we're a Division II school. There are a lot of Division One players in our conference that maybe signed Division One initially and weren't playing or for whatever reason transferred back to the D2 level. So as parents, as you're looking for an avenue for your son or your daughter, I mean, really take a strong, hard look at every single level and try to find what's the best fit for you. And, you know, even branch out. Don't get don't just kind of pigeonhole yourself to where you're only looking at Texas. If you have border states, make sure you're looking at border states. But, you know, if, if you really want to play somewhere at the college level, you can find a place to play. You may have to go to Minnesota or Nebraska and it may be a junior college or an NAI or a D3. But if you really have aspirations to play collegiately, you can find a school. You just have to really cast a big web and, and find the right fit for you. But you know, we're we're just excited about our program. We're excited about the young ladies in our program. We're excited about the families, you know, that come with our, our young ladies. And so just looking to continue to grow and build. And, you know, our motto is to go one and oh every single day. We just want to go one and oh, plain and simple. And if we can continue to have a lot of one and oh days, we're gonna be pretty good. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate you coming on, Coach Talk with us. We wish you guys the best of luck this coming season. Parents, players, this has been Coach Talk. Thank you for joining us.